guess. Anybody getting stretched? Yeah? Stretching's a good thing. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, we were in here in worship, and um, I'm sitting there, and I, this, this little voice rose up in my head that was telling me to get up and not only dance, but to twirl around. I rebuked it. <laughs> get behind me, Satan. I'm just teasing. It was not Satan, and that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with it, and I kept, you know, Lord, is this you? Lord, is this you? Lord, is this really you? No, really, Lord, is this you? <laughs> I almost missed it, but I finally got up, and I moved my foot a little bit. <laughs> and then I started swaying, and it was like, that's not what I told you to do. So then I just started going, you know, just finally cut free, felt stupid, but did it. I stopped. And then the Lord said, do it again. Like, Lord, I just did it. Do it again. I did it again. And then the next thing I know, Josh started dancing on stage. I think Mary came down here and then a bunch of other people came down here. And the next thing you know, the just presence of the Lord just fell. And it just, I mean, there was a release of dance and joy, and, and it wasn't that I did anything that would do it, but it was the obedience. And I know Mary, there's been a time when Mary, you know, the Lord would tell her to walk around the church or do a little something, and the Lord would release something out of this, out of her obedience, something would get released, and I was pretty afraid to do that, fear man a little bit too much, which is good. It's good to overcome that, good to face it. Today, I was getting into worship, and I, I started, there's, there's concrete goes right here, and then right here, it's a wood floor. You can hear it. You hear that? So if you hit it hard enough, it sounds like a bass. So I, they were talking about not having drums, so I started hitting it, trying to get a bass sound going. And I really felt like the Lord told me to get up and go play drums. And I'm like, Lord, I'm not a drummer. <laughs> I don't want to play drums. And I had about much fear of doing that is I did dancing, but there is something about us learning to get stretched and allow the Lord to allow, the Lord's going to tell us to sometimes do things that may not make sense to our mind, but it doesn't matter. Just do it. And I'm trying to learn how to do that. I actually have more ease just because of how often and how much I've done this over the years. I have an easier time walking up to a stranger and prophesying or telling them about the Lord than I did getting up and playing drums because I'm not a drummer. It's just a fear, you know? Well, thank you. But <clears throat> we have got to get out of the box. And if we will begin, if you, if you look, this is not even my message, but I feel like there's something that we need to realize. Do you know that the Lord in the Old Testament, do you see how often the Lord would have them do something that didn't make sense in order to bring a victory in a battle? How often did the Lord do it? March around the city seven times. That make no sense. But in their obedience, the walls fell. And there's times, guys, guys that when God's going to speak to you, he's going to be telling you something that makes zero sense. And as long as you're processing it in your brain and trying to get to the end result, you're never going to see the power of God released. But if you'll just do what he says, you will see God do something that you couldn't have had anticipated because that's how God is and that's how he works. He works through us in obedience to him having faith. 
Do you realize that? And so I just want to encourage you. God's telling us all things that may not make sense to our brain. Just do it. Just do it. I'm trying to learn that myself, and I'm, I'm still getting stretched big time. So, all right. There's my notes. Y'all ready? Lord, help. All right. I want to talk to you today uh, about the advancing church and the authority that Christ has given us as believers. And um, I want to keep hitting this psalm. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn over to Matthew 16, 18. We're going to do most of the service there. There will be some other verses that will go along with it. But Matthew 16, 18. Now, this is the, the place where Peter gets the revelation about who Christ is, or at least he expresses the revelation about who Christ is. Jesus had asked, who do men say that I am? And they gave him some answers. Then he finally said, but who do you say that I am? And just for the record, it doesn't matter who people say Jesus is. What does matter is who do you say that he is. Who you say he is is the only thing that matters to you and God. We don't get in by what other people say. We got to have our own revelation. We got to have our own encounter where, where Jesus is the Son of God to us. He's our Lord. He's our Messiah it's our revelation. And so in this place, Jesus, you know, when he asked that question, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 17, it says, and Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And here's verse 18. And this is where we're going to stay for a little bit. Also, I say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it, or the gates of hell. First of all, Peter in the Greek means a small stone. Small stone. It's a small little rock, a gravel. Y'all know what a gravel is? You know, a small stone. So Jesus, if you read this in the Greek, he's saying, and I say to you that you are a small stone, and upon this rock, now that word rock in the Greek is a different word. It's a huge rock. It's a big boulder. That's where our English, you know, you know, our English words, rock, rock. Love, love. I love pizza. I love my wife. Same word, but they have totally different meanings. Are they better? <laughs> I say to you that you are a little rock, and upon this huge rock... I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. He's saying that you're a little rock, Peter, but upon this huge rock, what is the rock? The revelation that Jesus is the Christ. That is the foundation rock that Jesus is building his church. Okay? But here's what I really want to get to today. And this kind of went off in me Friday night, Friday, Friday night. It kind of, um, the Lord began to stir it up again at, at God night on Friday night. And uh, if you haven't been coming to those meetings, they're really getting good. So if you haven't checked one out, you should check it out. We call it God night. And, uh, you know, it's, if he don't show up, it's kind of a dud because it's a God night. <laughs> we kind of need God to have a God night. And I think he's coming. Um, but the what what he goes on to say 
is that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Okay, that's what I want to talk to you today. The church and the gates of hell. Um, first thing that I want to point out here, Christ is building his church. That's, he is doing this work. We are his workmanship. Okay? And why is that important is because the church of Jesus Christ, we are what he is doing. I want that to just settle in. You are, you, don't look at your neighbor, yourself, you. Because we have a good, we do this a lot. We look at other people and say, hey, you're what God's doing, and that's okay. But no, you're what God's doing. It's not good for someone else to go to the mission field. You go to the mission field. It's not good for someone else to go pray for the sick. You pray for the sick. You are what, Armando, you are what God's doing. You are what God's doing. Why is that important? Because you're it. That You're going to miss what God's doing. <laughs> because you're it. Rick Joyner tells a story that I love, and I may mess it up a little bit, but I'll get the gist of it. He is, he, he, you know, Rick's a pilot, and he was in a really, really, really bad storm one time. And uh, if I remember this correctly, he had people on board, and uh, it was so bad that he could, it, it took all his strength just to keep pulling the plane back into the direction it's supposed to go, because, you know, you're, you're holding the yoke, and then the, the wind hits you, and the storm hits you, and you're just jerking the plane all over the place, and he's fighting this thing for hours, and he, and he starts crying out to the Lord. He's like, Lord, you got to do something. Or we're not going, or I'm coming to see you. And he was at the point where he felt like he was at his breaking point, and the God says, I am doing something. You're what I'm doing. And he had a revelation that hit him of all the hours that, that of his life in preparation, flying planes, and all the training that he had been through, and everything that he had went through had brought him up to this moment so that he was fully equipped and prepared to do what he needed to do to land these people in this plane and get them through the storm. But I thought, man, what an amazing revelation. God was at work saving them. But how was he doing it? Through Rick. Isn't that amazing? God was working, doing something, but it was through a person. It was God. What did Jesus say? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. It's not I, but the Father in me who's doing His work. And see, the Lord wants us to get to the place to where we understand that we are what God's doing, and if we're not engaged, then, then, then we're actually stifling God. And I know a religious spirit might write, how can you dare say that you can stifle God? You can. Because God in his own sovereignty and power from the very beginning, decided that he would not move on this earth without moving through a man. It was his decision. He limited himself, not us. He limited himself to only move through man. He gave Adam authority over the earth. Psalms 115.16, The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of man. When we don't understand the authority that we have as humans... 
we're missing out on what God's trying to do because we are what God's doing. And without us engaging with God and seeing God move through us, nothing will get done. Nothing. But God wants to do some things. Jesus said, my father is at work, and he's always at work. Right? So what is he at work in? Us. All right. Now, just as a... I just picked this up. Was this my, what was this? How did I pick this up? With what? With my hand. All right, so my hand picked this up, right? But if, if I were to cut my head off, would my hand have picked that head up? I mean, pick this cup up? No. Why? Because my brain, the head, told the body what to do, and the body did it, Right? It, I couldn't, my hand couldn't do this without a signal coming from here telling me to do it. Does that make sense? Well, let's look at, let's look at a scripture. Ephesians, Ephesians, you ever heard of Ephesians? <laughs> Everybody turn to Ephesians. It sounds like a bad disease. <laughs> turn to Ephesians. One. Verse 22 and 23. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Christ is the head. We are the body. Christ is in heaven, right? But he gives the signals. He's the coach. He calls the plays. We're supposed to do them. I'm going somewhere, so I just want to make sure that we're getting this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, is what Jesus said. I think it's Matthew 28. Somebody's losing a kid, I think. Haven, is there a kid that just went outside without a parent? Okay. All right. Well, if if his mama's out there, leave him alone, because you distracted me. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um... All authority in heaven and earth was given to Jesus, and he was going to heaven. But he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. But then what did he say? Go ye therefore. See, when he, all authority was accessed by the Christ, and then he sent out his disciples under that authority in the same way, Paul talked about this a a week ago or so, in the same way that a sheriff deputy who was never elected sheriff, goes out in authority because the sheriff was elected as the authority in the county. In the same way, Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, and he sends us out under his authority with all authority. Does that make sense? All right. Ephesians 3, 8 and 10. If you all want to turn over, it's just a page over. All right, so Ephesians 8, to me, I'm sorry, Ephesians 3, verse 8, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. Verse 9, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages have been hidden in God who created all things. 
so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. You know, there's an administration. Y'all know about administrations, right? You know, Trump had an administration. You know, now Biden has an administration. There's administrations. They, they, um, their administration carries out what they want to do. It's the administration. It's those people that are at work. Everybody in the administration is not the president. But there's people that have authority from the president to carry out the goals of the administration. Okay, just to give you an understanding of administrations. Well, right here, it says that God's administration of the mystery, which we know is, the, is Christ in us, the hope of glory, which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things. So this administration is for the purpose of, it tells us in verse 10, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. What authorities are in heavenly places? Do you all remember that, we rest, that, that verse, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with rulers and powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places? He's talking about strongholds, demonic and fallen angelic powers who are currently positioned in certain places in, in the heavenly places and that God is using the church to reveal His wisdom, His power, His will to be done to shake the heavens and the earth. Let me give you an example of this in, in Scripture. Remember when Daniel, he, was, uh, he prayed... And the Bible says that as soon as his words left his mouth, God released an angel to go to him, right? And this angel comes, but the angel gets caught up in a heavenly warfare. Y'all remember that? There was the prince of Persia, and there was a prince of Greece. Who are those princes? They were, they were spiritual beings, and in that place, the, the messenger that God sent to talk to Daniel got held up, and Daniel stayed positioned in a place of prayer, not giving up, crying out to God until the answer had come. God had released the answer as soon as the prayer was released, but there was a battle going on in the heavenlies, and I sure am glad Daniel didn't give up. If he'd have gave up, who, know what, who, who knows what would have happened? But he didn't give up, and there was a wrestling going on, and then Michael the archangel came. There's a war going on, and in this war, Michael comes, and he begins to hold off this, this, this fallen angelic being so that the messenger can get through and deliver the message to Daniel. There's heavenly places where right now we are in a war. You are in a war. All of us, we're in a war. And, but you know what God's going to do to win the war? You. <laughs> you are what God's doing. You are how God's going to win this war. We can't do it without Him. I've said this a billion times. We can't do it without Him. He won't do it without us. Does that make sense? It is the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God 
might be now made known or put on display is one translation. He wants to put it on display. He wants to put us on display. And he wants us to shake these heavenly beings. Because it says he might, the wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. We are how God's dealing with this stuff. So let's go back. We're back at Matthew. I'm going to talk to you about a gate. And I actually might finish early, believe, maybe. That'll be the first miracle that happens today. Um, what is a gate? I want us to look at something. What is a gate? A gate is a door. It's just a big, hard, heavy-duty door. It's, it's bigger than a normal door. A gate is a heavy-duty item. And a gate does two things. It lets in and it lets out. That's all it is. It's the, it's the junction for having something released or having something received. And Jesus said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Let's think about this a minute. So that means there's nothing that the gates of hell can release that will overpower us. Y'all hear that? There's nothing Satan can do that can overpower us. I'm going to say it again. There's nothing, nothing that Satan can do. The gates of hell shall not overpower the church. I mean, we should be shouting. Did not Jesus say that he was going to give us all authority in heaven and earth? Did he not say that we would trample and on all the power of the enemy, we know in Luke, uh, what is it? I forget what it is, Luke 11 or Luke, somewhere in there, God, the Lord sends out the 70, and he sent out the 12 before that, and they came back rejoicing because they had authority over demons. That was what stood off on their mission trips. Who knows how many people got healed? And, and, and you know, he's reaching people, and they come back, and he's like, Lord, even the demons... Obey us in your name, in his authority, in his name. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning, and I've given you all authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, and no power of the enemy shall harm you. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say it. There is a place that God wants us to grow up into where no power of the enemy overpowers us. The reason... The enemy overpowers us, and I want to talk about that a little bit, is because there's something we're not growing up into. Because the Lord says that even as I was sent, so I send you. He's sending us out. What he did, we're called to do. The works I do, you should do, and even greater works shall you do, because I go to the Father. God wants us to do what he did and to walk in what he walked in. No power of the enemy is supposed to overcome us. None. And I'm telling you, God is doing a work in this day that's causing his people to grow up and begin to believe this. Start, we're starting. We're like, we're, we're like Neo in The Matrix. How many saw the movie The Matrix? No, come on. How many people saw The Matrix? Wow. That is one of the most prophetic movies I have ever seen in my life. I, I'm serious. 
you there are so many parallels in that movie. If you haven't seen it and you can handle action movies, you need to see it. It's amazing. Neo was a, um, how do you describe him? He was someone that was awakening to the realities that the world he had been living in was not like it seemed. And he actually was living in a false world. And they wake him up. I mean, that whole scene about him being woken up is a perfect picture of the new birth. He was born again, and he entered into the new... As you got to see the movie. But anyhow, there is a scene when, you know, this guy was supposed to be the chosen one. He was supposed to be the one that was prophesied of. He's a picture of the last day church. He was someone who had been prophesied about that he would come and that the enemy would have no power over him. He would be able to totally wipe out the enemy. And... And there came a point in the movie where he's fighting these things called agents, which were the most powerful beings there, and they kept everybody in line, and an agent can kill you just like that. I mean, this, these agents were bad dudes. And he's fighting them all of a sudden, and there's a helicopter going down, and he's attached to it, and this thing's about to pull. This huge helicopter's going down. He's on a high-rise, and he's, got, he's attached to this thing, and his girlfriend was in the helicopter. And so all of a sudden, he grabs this line, and he starts pulling this helicopter, and he keeps it from falling really fast. So he's holding this incredible weight that was impossible for any man to hold after he had dodged bullets. And, and the guy that had told, had been looking for this guy and told of his coming, he, 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 he's talking to someone, and he says, he is starting to believe and there's a scripture, and I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit. There's a scripture in Romans 8. I'm going to go ahead and turn there because I didn't open my mouth. Romans 8. Romans 8, 19. It says, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. I was thinking about this movie Friday afternoon as I was in the shower. I was getting ready to come to the, the, the meeting. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how, you know, there has been an explosion of faith that has arisen in my heart as of late. And there was some revelation that I got, and there was some stuff that was going on in my life where I began to realize it was like all of a sudden faith was at full charge. And I begin, even though I have, like, I'm, I'm, have a, I'm fighting some things in my body physically, um, I am fully convinced, fully convinced that I'm healed. Even though in the natural, I might not, you might not say I'm healed yet. Jesus said, all things you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it shall be granted to you. Jesus said that, not me. I believe him. I think he never lies. He always tells the truth. So if he says it and we don't think it's true, we're wrong. Jesus is never wrong. The scriptures weren't wrong. If he said, if I, can, if I can believe him for the things of God, then I can have them. All things are possible to him who believes, and he's telling the truth. And if that doesn't work with our theology or if it puts pressure on us like, man, well, golly, well, you, you know, because I, 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 that's the way some people react to stuff like that. 
then we need to change because Jesus is right. And there is a revelation that's going to take place because that's what this verse says. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Paul is writing this, this. There's a day coming in human history where the creation itself is groaning. So like all throughout this fallen world, creation is groaning for a revelation of the sons of God. And it began to hit me yesterday that the revelation wasn't like all of a sudden they just appear. No, there's a revelation going on where God's people are beginning to get a revelation of who they are in Christ. Who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. See, we have authority. Jesus gave us all authority when he said, go in my name. And the Bible is very clear. 1 John 4, 1 John, uh, 4, 4 says that Christ, that, talking about the Christ in us, that greater is he who? who's in us than he who is in the world. We have all authority. He is in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And all authority is in him. And there's nothing more powerful than him. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So, I began to see, you know, how many have listened to Dutch Sheets, the, uh, his Give Me 15? Those are so good. And uh, he talked about one the other day. He said there was a time when he had like 45 warts on his fingers. 45 warts, and he said they were eating into his, his fingernail, and they were eating, all his cuticles were gone. The doctors, after looking at it, said, we're scared to burn them off because um, it, it, it might leave you mutilated because it, it's, uh, it's so eaten into your, your fingernails and your fingers, it might really mutilate your fingers, make them, leave them deformed. So he had been in a bunch of meetings, and uh, there were people getting healed left and right, but not him. Uh, you know, God is a healer. He always wants to heal. That's who Jesus was. He healed every single person that came to him. But here Dutch is in these meetings, and people are getting healed, but not him. And I know that can be frustrating. I know people have been there. Hey, Lord, you know, what's up? Well, the Lord speaks to him one day and says, even though many get healed by the laying on of hands, and many get healed by the prayer of agreement, you're not going to get healed that way. He said, you're going to have to take the word that I've given you and begin using it and begin to practice what I've been teaching you. And so he began to speak to his fingers and his body. You know what Jesus said? He said, whoever says to the mountain, be, t- be taken up and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come about, it shall be granted to him. All things you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it shall be granted to you. He begins to take Scripture, taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and he begins to declare it over his fingers. And he would do it over and over again. He said sometimes up to seven times a day, he would just take time out to just declare what the Word of God says over his body and tell his fingers to be made whole. And he did it for two weeks faithfully, every day, numerous times a day. And nothing happened. And then... One day, about two weeks in, all of a sudden, he starts to notice a, a slight change in his, in his warts. They're, they're getting smaller. And then two more weeks, so a total of a month, by the time a month came around, the warts were totally gone. 
and his fingernails were healed and, and his cuticles. He took the word and he used it. And one of the things that the Lord's been showing me is that we are ailed as a church. We have a lot of ailments, a lot of issues that we deal with because we don't take up the authority that God's already put inside of us. We're waiting for God, Lord, please heal me, Jesus. I don't see nothing. Lord, please heal me. Lord, I really need healing. Lord, please heal me. I don't see nothing. I don't think he's doing anything. Lord, I, I thought I asked you to heal me. Please heal me, Lord. And now we're getting in doubt. Now we're looking so much at what we're seeing with our eyes that when we ask, we're no longer asking in faith. We're asking in doubt and unbelief because we're asking and then we're looking in the natural to see if something's happening. But the Bible's very clear. We walk by faith, not by sight. Jesus cursed a fig tree, and you know it didn't wither away right away. It says, Jesus cursed the fig tree, and the next day the disciples said, look, Lord, the fig tree you cursed. The next day. When he cursed it, I guarantee you, it happened. Something started working on the inside, but it didn't manifest until a period of time and the next day, people can see it. A lot of us abort what God's doing with us because we start off believing God for something, and then we begin to go, you know what? I don't see anything. I guess nothing's working. And we give up, and that's the aborted baby. The aborted baby of faith, the aborted miracle that we needed, we stopped. We stopped declaring. I've had amazing healings in my body from doing this. I still find myself fighting the fight of faith to believe. Okay, so sometimes you just got to fight. We talked about that a few weeks ago. We've been talking about it for two years. Um, yeah. Okay, what, what is it? Ah, mustard seed faith. Mustard seed faith. One of the things that I heard Dutch point out that I thought was really good about the mustard seed was that, you know, it's not if you have the, the faith of a mustard seed like the size of it. It's that it's what the mustard seed grows into. It starts off small, but it grows into a big tree. Not a big tree as in trees, but the biggest tree of the, of the garden trees. It's the biggest garden tree but it starts off as the smallest of seeds. The Bible says we've all been given a measure of faith. It's up to us to exercise that faith and to cause that faith to grow. God's not going to make your faith grow. You've got to make it grow. How do you do that? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word, getting the Word of God. Spend more time in the Word than you do listening to other things. When you start, when you start spending so much time chewing on what Jesus did than you do everything going on, all of a sudden faith begins to rise in your heart. It does. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Get in the Word. Let it get in you. That's what Jesus said. Abide in me and let my words abide in you, and you will ask whatever you want, and it will be done. Problem is, His Word ain't in us. Not like He wants it to be. He wants that thing just dwelling there all the time where his word is just in us and we're abiding in that word and where we get to the place when the word says that we believe it, that settles it and that's what we're going to believe until it manifests. I've had growth come off my leg. I cursed a growth and I, I, I had a growth growing on my leg and I decided to memorize Mark 11, 23 and 24. I wrote pages of it over and over again until I had it memorized. 
And then I, then I, after doing that, I decided, you know what? I cursed you, and I cursed this growth. It was getting bigger and bigger. It had gotten to be about that big. And um, I decided, I don't always do this, but for, for some reason this time I decided, you know what? I'm not even going to look at this again because it's gone. It, it was there, but I decided since it's not really there because I just cursed it, I believe it's gone. I'm not even going to look at you again. And that was discipline because I always wanted to feel. And so I finally got, after about a week or so, I got into the, I just, the habit, the, the desire to look went away. And then three months later, without me having looked at all, my wife asked me, how's your growth? I said, I don't know. I haven't looked at it. And I looked back there to see, and I couldn't even feel where it had been. It was totally gone. I had a growth that big that just shrunk. It works, guys. It works. God's word works. But sometimes it's with faith and patience you inherit the promises. Sometimes you, you, we have to continue to persevere, and we've been talking about perseverance. We have got to press in and persevere and not give up until we see what we're asking for. Now, how does this apply to us? Real quick. There's a lot of areas that we need to advance the kingdom of God. There's a lot of areas. I'm right now, we need to advance the kingdom of God in our country. Unrighteousness is ruling. Is, it's, it's the administration right now is releasing an overwhelming wave of unrighteousness like I've never seen. You know, guys are girls, and girls are guys, and, you know, with a stroke of the pen, he's about to try to end, you know, the uh, Second Amendment. I mean, he's, the, the abortion funding started back up. I mean, he's, and there is so much stuff that the Scripture's so clear about is wrong, and it's getting released. Who has given up on the promises that God said concerning this country? Not me. There's a remnant that is standing, and they're not giving up. If God said it, we believe it, you know? And sometimes things look dead. Lazarus looked dead. Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Yeah, but they would have never known Jesus, the, Jesus, the resurrection of life. They would have known just Jesus, the healer. Sometimes God wants to reveal himself in a new way. And so he showed up late, they thought. But Jesus showed who he really was. And a lot of times, just like Daniel, we have to keep praying, keep standing, keep fasting, keep declaring, keep believing, keep knocking on that door according to Luke 11, say, give me what I'm asking for. Or Luke 18, the persistent of the parable, of the, the parable of the persistent widow, where she's just going to the king day after day, and he's, she's, she's saying, give me justice against my adversary. And he says, you see what the unjust judge does. Unless, you know, I don't fear God, I don't care about man, but lest she wear me out by her coming, I'm going to give her all the justice that she's asking for. And Jesus said, how much more will our Father give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? But then the next verse is so key. He said, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I'm going to say a lot of times we're looking, the Lord shows up in our circumstances and we had cut off faith a long time ago. Because he delayed, so we thought, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you will reap if you faint not. And that is certainly true And when we're battling something and we're trying to believe God for things. Now, 
We have stuff going on in our country. We have stuff going on in our neighborhoods. We have stuff going on in our family. We have stuff going on in our body. But here's a guarantee. The Word of God guarantees this. You will always win if you don't give up. That's why Jesus said in Luke 18, he told them a parable so that they should pray and never give up. God, Jesus said that. Pray and never give up. How many have giants that you... You were fighting, and you gave up on it. Maybe a long time ago, you were believing God for something. You didn't see it, so you just gave up. The Lord wants us to come back to that place of believing again. Keep knocking on that door. Keep pounding the issue. I've been doing that with fear. You know, I've been, I'm a, I'm, I'm, y'all wouldn't know this, but the, the battle I have had to fight to overcome fear, I have been afraid. Growing up, I was afraid of bullies, afraid of the dark afraid of being in front of people. You know, when I come into ministry, I was terrified to sing in front of people. And I started doing, a, you know, I felt like the Lord was telling me to be a worship leader. So I started doing it. I was terrified. I was terrified to speak in front of crowds. Absolutely terrified. I was terrified of heights. I jumped out of an airplane three times now. You know why I've overcoming and, and, and I'm overcoming my fear? Because I began to resist it. Resist the enemy firm in your faith, the Scripture says. The Bible says if we submit to God and resist the devil, what? He will flee because the, the gates of hell shall not overcome us if we stand in the authority that God has given us and we don't give up. We give up too quick, too easy. We need to learn how to persevere. need to learn how to stand and fight. I remember one day uh, finally getting sick of it, and I literally looked myself in the eyes in the mirror. I looked in the mirror, and I, because you know, the Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. Where I was so tormented with fear, I mean, I could, you know, there, there are times I couldn't even go out in public without exhaustion of fear of, of just being out in public. I had a lot of fear issues that I've had to overcome. But I remember looking in the mirror, and I looked myself right in the eyes. And I said, you are not afraid. I began to speak to myself. You know what happened? I heard a voice. <laughs> he said, you are afraid. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. <laughs> now I know what I'm dealing with. God's not giving us a spirit. There was a spirit that comes to torment. And I began to battle that thing. I took out the Word of God, and I began to memorize every scripture that I could find on fear, taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I began to use it. I sought the Lord, and He answered me and delivered me from all my fear. God's not giving me a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but a spirit of adoption of sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Luke, it talks about delivering us from the hands of our enemies that we might serve the Lord without fear. I can pull those up because I have battled with them. I battled with them. I had something that was assailing me, and it was kicking my butt, and I decided I'm going to fight. And I began to take out that word, and I began to grip it to where I, my fingers won't let go of it no more. And I began to use that sword of the Spirit until this enemy relinquishes. And I had a dream about it one day, and I saw me. And I was this battering ram that was hitting something. And I would hit it, and nothing would happen. And I would hit it, and nothing would happen. It would go over and over. But the thing was, is I wasn't stopping. I kept hitting it. I kept hitting it. And after who knows how long in the dream, it was forever. I just kept hitting this thing. All of a sudden, a small vibration. 
I hit it again, a little stronger vibration. And I kept hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. And finally, this big stronghold come crumbling down. And there's so much that I'm walking in today that I wouldn't have been walking in if I'd have stopped because his power does not prevail over me. He always leads us in his triumph. But the question is, am I going to stand up in faith to believe that and keep fighting? Just because you feel weak right now, you're not going to stay there. You fight. Get through it. Just because you feel defeated, don't stay where you're at. Get up. Fight. You're not, where, you're not who you are right now. You know that? There's somebody inside of you that's growing up in you. Paul said, I'm at labor until Christ is formed in you. He is growing up inside of you. And what that really means is that we're starting to give the Christ headship in every area. And he's just like that leaven that worked its way into the three doughs. He's working his way inside of us. And there's an authority that's growing up inside of us. And we need to allow him to start ruling and reigning inside of us. There's some things that God's not going to do for you until you do it for you too. We can't do it without him. He won't do it with us. There's people here suffering. You don't have to suffer. God wants you free, but you might have to take up the sword of the Spirit and use it yourself. God's not going to heal you through your pastor every time. He's not going to heal you through your friend that, that you know walks in faith every time. You know what? Even your children, you know that the Bible talks about in the promised land that he would leave enemies for the next generation so that they could learn war. I began to see that in relation to my daughter. I had been praying for her healing in her eyes. And the Lord, I felt like the Lord gave me that. And because he said, he showed me that she needed something to war against so that she could have victory too. And I began, so instead I'm teaching her how to war and how to speak to her eyes, how to declare what the word of God says and begin to do it over and over and over again, and you're going to hit this thing and hit this thing. I don't care if it takes a week, a month, a year, 10 years. I don't care. I'm not giving up until the Word of God manifests itself fully in my life. And when we have that attitude and we don't, and we function in that, we will win every time. Every time. The gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. And there's a revelation that's being given to us that we would grow up into this, that this, just like this seed would grow up into that big tree. We're growing up into Christ, and we're going to walk in this stuff. Jesus said, the works I do, ye shall do, and even greater works shall ye do because I go to the Father. We will walk in that because everything he says comes about. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He walked on water. That's what we should be doing. We're going to grow up into that if we choose to. And if we choose not to, then maybe the next generation will do it. But I, I don't know about y'all, but I want to go in the land. I don't want to die in the desert. I want to enter in. I want to fight. I want to be willing to face some giants. And that's, why they did, that's why they ran. You know that? We do the same thing. We get a giant in front of us, and we run back to the wilderness because it's much easier than having to face our giants. And they died there. we got to start facing our giants, and we'll have victory. We'll have victory. One last thing, and I'm done. I already shut my Bible, I promise. Um, where are gates? When you have a, okay, let me give you a picture. How many seen Lord of the Rings? How many seen Return of the King? Okay. 
Return of the king, they rode out to face the darkness. Where were the gates that they rode to? There was an enemy that they were fighting, and he had his own home. He had his own stronghold area, an area where he had domain. And there was a gate set up, and they charged the gate. This scripture that I'm talking about is a picture of an advancing church. I've always read that, and it felt like, I always thought this, it felt like somehow I'm in this defenseless mode, and the enemy's attacking me, and I will overcome it. It won't defeat me. And that's true, but there's more to it than that. When he says the gates of hell shall not prevail, I believe he's also saying that this church that's overcoming the enemy, we're going to get to the place where we're no longer playing defense, but we're playing offenses and we're charging the gates of hell because they're coming down. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. One will put a 1,000 to flight. Two will put 10,000. We're going to go to battle and we're going to start having some offense time. And I think we're coming up into that in this season that we're in where God's beginning to raise up some people who know how to fight. They've learned how to fight, and they've become warriors, and they're ready to go to battle. And we charge the gates of hell, and they're going to get defeated. Amen?